Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have Dan Freed here with us today, who is the founder and CEO of actually two brands. We have, um, he's actually the founder and CEO of a brand called Thesis and also Stasis. And we're going to get into the difference between the two of them and everything that they are doing to disrupt the world, uh, I guess is the easiest way to talk about it. But Thesis, first of all, provides potent nutrient compounds formulated to enhance mental performance. And he's uh, the leader in nootropics, and we'll talk a lot about that. They have incredible formulas or formulations, I should say, whether taking the energy formula to overcome fatigue, the clarity formula to enter a flow state or the motivation formula to decrease procrastination. Thesis is offering these specific blends and more to target really specific outcomes. Um, Really, really incredible. So I can't wait to hear more about what prompted Dan. He's not... uh, Sort of the the uh, he didn't come from the the uh, vitamin industry. Uh, he's definitely super curious. Um, I can tell, and there's just a ton of data behind this company and and what he's doing, which I love, love, love. So, uh, without further ado, welcome Dan. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, super excited. So you're here in New York City today um, sharing the screen with us, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about why, or even before that, I'd love to hear what were you doing before you decided to start Thesis and also Stasis? So I I can give you kind of like the background. Um, The company really started out of a personal challenge I've had my entire life. I've always struggled with classroom learning. I was actually expelled from preschool 
I have no idea what a four-year-old can do to, to get expelled, but I managed to do it. And then when I was six, I was formally diagnosed with ADHD. And I have bits and pieces of memory of it, but they recommended I go on Ritalin. And my mom said no. She was concerned about giving a powerful medication to a child. This was late 80s. Um, so it's still, she didn't have full context. Um, so I went untreated and struggled in school. I was constantly in the principal's office, getting suspended, behavioral difficulties. Uh, when I was 16, I ended up, I was failing most of my classes. And just no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't conform to the classroom environment. And so I dropped out. I went to work in fast food. I was making sandwiches. I, I watched my friends graduate high school, go off to college, and I was still working for minimum wage. It was a very difficult time in my life. And, you know, I got a lucky break, uh, an incredibly lucky break, and ended up becoming a chef. And that was the first time, you know, up until that point, I thought there was something wrong with me. You know, people called me stupid and lazy. And, you know, my sister, she would just come home and start doing her homework. And it seemed so easy for her. And I couldn't understand why, no matter how hard I tried to force myself, I just couldn't do it. And so as a chef, I was passionate about it. And I loved it. I, I never went to culinary school, but I just learned on the job. And I absorbed all this information so fast. Um, and I spent about a decade as a chef. I Most of it was international. So I was fortunate enough to work around the world. Uh, I worked in a Michelin three-star restaurant in France. Uh, and then in my late 20s, I was an executive sous chef on board a cruise ship. Hmm. And my job evolved. So at that point, it was rare that I cooked. I was managing a staff of about 50 people. I was doing supply chain and scheduling and budgeting. And I started to burn out. I was working 100 hours a week, six months straight, no days off. Um, and then like it had advantages. So I would get three month vacations where I could go and travel. Um, but the quality of life when I was on the ship was not what I wanted. Um, I started looking around for other industries, other jobs, careers that I could do. And a lot of people didn't take me serious. Like, no education, very limited. Like I was very successful as a chef, but it's hard to convince somebody that there's transferable skills to an office job. So I decided on getting an MBA, which was a pretty crazy goal. And I interviewed with a school in the UK and they agreed based off of my unique background that they would admit me directly into an MBA program, even though I didn't have a college degree. Their one condition was I had to score in the 80th percentile or above on the GMAT. So, you know, I had this goal, it was a crazy goal, but I went out, I got a GMAT study guide and I started studying. And it felt like I was back in high school. It was the same thing where, you know, I would read a page five times, couldn't internalize the information, tried to force myself to sit still through those practice tests. And, you know, I wasn't making any progress. I heard about nootropics on a study forum. This is more than 10 years ago now. So I immediately went out and bought every single thing that I could find. I was ordering ingredients from Russia, from Mexico, things off of Amazon. I went into CVS and... I created this system where I would methodically try different ingredients and measure my performance and study. Most of the ingredients did nothing, but a couple of them worked. And when I figured out how to combine them into a winning formula, the results were life-changing. So when I went in to take the GMAT, I ended up scoring in the 99th percentile, which, yeah, it surprised the hell out of me. Crazy. I was blown away when I saw that score on, on the screen at the end of the test. And it enabled me to do my MBA at INSEAD. And so I never had an adult educational experience. And my first one is I'm in classes with people from Goldman Sachs and McKinsey. I didn't even know what McKinsey was. Um, and it was a very difficult adjustment period. But I just got into this, you know, this cycle that was so beneficial where it was nootropics, healthy habits, compounding my learnings. Um, 
And I really started to excel and I started to enjoy it and have that same passion I had for cooking. And then I was offered a partial scholarship after completing my MBA to do another master's degree at Yale. And that's when I really, you know, neuroscience was also something I was passionate about just because nootropics had been so transformational. And I started doing this deep dive into cognitive science, public health, going to different lectures. Um, and I became a nootropics evangelist. You know, at that time, it, it was something that was the cornerstone of how I transformed my life. So I was the crazy guy at dinner parties that wouldn't shut up about nootropics. I was giving them to my mom, to my friends. And the first realization I had was the ingredients that worked for me mm-hmm. didn't work for everyone. Hmm. So I created our first product and, you know, it's right here. I knew nothing about branding. Um, and it was, the concept was, it was based off the same iterative approach that I used to find my formula, except instead of taking thousands of dollars in six months, a customer could figure out what worked for them in less than a month for less than a hundred dollars. I started selling it out of my apartment to friends and then friends of friends. And before I knew it, I was, you know, dropping boxes off all around New York. And like, this was a very difficult time because I was still in a lot of student debt. I still am in a lot of student debt. Um, It wasn't ever meant to be a business, but I just saw this opportunity and I saw how beneficial it was for people. And I remembered, you know, how painful and how difficult it was for me when I had tried to to succeed. And I just, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't do it. And so I made the, the decision to incorporate and to start it as a business. And we ended up, you know, nootropics as a category was very new. Investors didn't want to invest. There was a lot of skepticism. Um, and so we bootstrapped and we, you know, I maxed out all of my credit cards. I did side jobs just to pay my rent, downsized my apartment, anything that I could do to keep it running. And somehow we ended up bootstrapping to a million a month in revenue. And at that point, you know, the industry of nootropics was starting to mature. Uh, We started getting investor interest um, from, you know, institutional funds. And we raised our seed round about 18 months ago. And it was a $5 million round, uh, brought on some incredible investors. And since then, it's just been a crazy growth story, scaling up, everything breaking, figuring things out. That's incredible. So, so great. So let's back up a little bit. So how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works, and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on. 
helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. How would you define nootropics? I mean, like, where did this come from? I mean, how, like, how are people defining it today as compared to other ingredients in, in maybe the pharmaceutical or the vitamin industry? So I'll give you my definition, which is somewhat broad, but nootropics are any ingredient that has a direct impact on the levels of neurotransmitters in the 100 trillion synapses of the human brain. So everything you think and feel uh, is controlled by these things. And, you know, people know dopamine, norepinephrine, GABA, serotonin. It's how neurons communicate with each other. For me, my dopamine and norepinephrine system could use a boost. Mm -hmm. And what nootropics do, and, you know, the way I kind of frame it is I'm just as intelligent now as I was when I dropped out of high school and I was failing everything. What changed is the availability of neurotransmitters. So, and that's a good thing. Most people's limitations aren't their intelligence. It's the ability to focus their energy levels, their mood. And that's a much easier problem to solve. It's almost impossible to increase intelligence in a meaningful way, uh, especially as an adult. Um, but these nootropics have an you know, an immediate and a long-term impact on those systems. So once I was unblocked and it was, you know, I'm somebody, I'm a super responder to nootropics. So the benefits I get are, are incredible. It was, it just, I could sit down and study without having to force it. I would read the page one time and I just understood it. It was, 
an incredible unblock for me. And the transformation wasn't nootropics alone. I strongly believe that, you know, you need more than a pill to really get these types of results. But what it did was it gave me momentum. Tasks where I felt I was hopeless and I just couldn't do it. It allowed me to have a bunch of these smaller wins and start developing healthy habits like going to the gym and meditating and having good study habits. Um, and that momentum just continued and the impact of those healthy habits compounded over time for transformational change. Very, very cool. So what was the ingredient? I'm just curious when you first uh, figured out that nootropics was out there, what was the ingredient, the two ingredients that were great for you? So I've gone through so many ingredients. Um, I, I experiment on everything. So I'm really big in the longevity space, the hormone space, nootropics, psychedelics. I'm constantly experimenting and learning and it's evolved significantly over time. Um, in the early days, and this tells you kind of like how underdeveloped the industry was, I used to go, you know, into a coffee shop to study and I had a milligram scale and I would pull out all these little jars of powder and weigh out everything and then take my nootropics. People are looking at me very strange. Yeah. Um, what I take now, typically, I switch between three core thesis formulations um, energy, which I took this morning because I was sleep deprived confidence, which I took right before this call. Um, and that gives me, it helps with verbal fluency. It helps, uh, it's targeted to serotonin and GABA. So it makes me more pro-social and relieve some stress and, you know, performance anxiety. Um, and then I take clarity on days when I really need to get into the zone and just get into a flow state to do a lot of deep work. Very, very cool. So how does thesis differentiate from other nootropics in the market and supplements that are out there? I mean, you mentioned like GABA and some of the others that are out there, but are you actually, you're taking higher quality ingredients, first of all, and then combining what you believe is needed, for example, for focus? Yeah. So there's there's a lot to go into. There's, you know, quality testing, manufacturing, but the core of what we do that's very unique. So the question you just asked me is like, which nootropics work for you? Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they ask like, you know, what do nootropics work? That's their main thing. Like there's skepticism and I was a skeptic myself. The question they should be asking is which nootropics work for me? And that's the problem that we solve. We've tested more than a hundred different ingredients. I could tell you what works for me, but it might be something different that works for you. And that's the core problem that we're solving. So take, for example, caffeine. Caffeine's a nootropic. It's also a stimulant. What happens to you when you drink a cup of coffee? If I gave you a cup of coffee now and asked you a half an hour later how you feel, what would your response be? You know, it's funny. I don't really react to, I, I'm a weird one. I don't really react to caffeine. And it's probably because I've had too much over the years. And I don't know, like I, I just, it, it's interesting. I can go to sleep at night. Um, I can have a, you know, I don't drink espresso, but I, I can have a latte and I can go to sleep in an hour. Like it's, it's crazy. So that's exactly my response. Um, I'll have a double espresso after dinner. I enjoy the taste of coffee. It does mm -hmm. almost nothing to me, mm -hmm. um, except in very high doses you know, my girlfriend will drink half a cup of coffee and she'll be jittery and shaky. Some people will drink coffee and they get energy. Uh, that's the normal response. The majority of people respond that way. So that's essentially the problem we're solving. Think of caffeine and just coffee as one of many ingredients that you could try. How do we figure out the difference between somebody like you and my girlfriend? Mm -hmm. There's no blood test. There's no genetics test that's accurate enough to predict how somebody's going to respond. There is like a genetics caffeine metabolism test. But essentially what we do is we give you a cup of coffee and ask you, how do you feel? With a lot of different ingredients in a cost-effective way where we're leveraging our data set to narrow down where should you start, how should you try it, how do you give feedback, and guiding you through that process. And we have coaches on staff anytime that you can reach out to schedule a call and help you really find the formula that's going to be right for you, for your genetics and your goals. 
That's very, very cool. So I was going to say, when you first sign up for the program, you also, you give people a questionnaire um, and allow people to, you know, start there with the questions. But it's really incredible because I think that you're personalizing this information and obviously um, really trying to help people, which is incredible. And I feel like you've also got an entire team there too that is really focused on individualized attention versus, you know, the guy behind the counter at the vitamin store who um, probably doesn't even take vitamins, right? And is trying to advise you on on what something is. So it's um, it's really a new way of thinking about things and obviously lots of data as well. Um, would you say that What's the number one thing that people are uh, trying to change and why they find you? I mean, it's all over the map. Um, it's really interesting. So when we first started, it was all about early adopters and they had tried nootropics before. Um, they understood our value proposition. Now, the majority of people that purchase our product have never heard of nootropics. Hmm. And so... You know, and what makes me sad about kind of like how the industry is, and we do have competitors that do good from a formulation standpoint and do have clean supply chains. There aren't many, but there are other ones that do a great job. But what makes me sad is usually when people are willing to take a bet on nootropics, they try one. It's like, okay, I'm skeptical. Let me try one. And it's a binary result. When you only try one formula, if it doesn't work, it's like, okay, this is bullshit. That's it. And they never try it again. With us, we walk them through the process. We have, you know, this guided process. And for the most part, most people who purchase our product get four unique formulas to try in the first month. And so, you know, people will come to us and it's like, I want to optimize my energy level. So usually it gets down to an even more narrow problem set. So it's like, hey, you know, we have a newborn baby. I'm sleep deprived. I'm not functioning how I was before. How do I solve this? And we can narrow in on what's worked for similar people with similar problems like that and narrow it down to where they should start and get that optimization period um, to a you know short process. Whereas if they're just like, hey, I'm sleep deprived, there's 50 million products, you don't know where to start, you don't know your dosages. And that's essentially what we do. For some people, that's getting into deep work. For some people, that's you know, energy, motivation, developing healthy habits. Some people, it's stress and performance anxiety. How can we steer them to the right products? So you're based out of New York. Uh, you're an online uh, retailer that is that is selling um, nootropics. How do you get the word out? It seems like uh, you're generating tons of attention. I, I actually mentioned to a friend of mine that I was going to be speaking to you. And uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I've totally heard about it. It's really, And I'm like, where have I been? I hadn't heard about it before um, you and I connected. But I, I think it's it, how you're getting the word out, I think, is, is amazing, whatever you're doing. So I'm so curious how uh, you got, how you're getting attention today. So this is still just the beginning. We have some incredible partners that we work with that are just huge fans of ours. And I think that that's one of the most powerful things that we have because we were bootstrapped and we didn't have a lot of capital. A lot of these people just came in organically. Um, so, you know, from big podcasters and uh, now we're about to do our first uh, celebrity partnership our first major celebrity partnership. And that was somebody who started as a customer. And then they were a customer for a while. And somehow when they found out we were raising money, they reached out to us and said, hey, I love your product. I've, I've seen you guys for a long time and take my money. And then we started developing a relationship and now we're starting to talk about, okay, how can we, you love our product, it's a great fit. Um, and starting to move into spaces like that. So most of, like you say, it's great that we're out there. I think this is just the beginning. I think as a category, we're just at the beginning. So many people could benefit from this and they just don't know that it exists. Um, so yeah, I mean, the number one thing is word of mouth, which has been incredible. 
That's awesome. So it's one thing to decide to believe in nootropics. It's another thing to start a company. What has been kind of the hardest thing since starting this company that you felt like maybe you didn't expect? So I always go back to Steve Jobs, his famous video where he talks about, you know, it's not just about launching a product or launching a company. It's like, you know, when you're the founder, you got to make sure that the coffee maker works or that there's the beans, right? (laughs) Maybe that's a bad example for your, for your product, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like all the crazy stuff that goes on, um, that you don't wake up thinking that this is going to be, um, what you're going to be dealing with today. What has been kind of the most challenging part, um, about building it so far? That's a really difficult question because there's so many challenging parts. Mm-hmm. I think the most surprising thing to me was how important ethics are and some of the hardest decisions that I have and the things that keep me up at night are all around ethics. Um, how do you treat somebody who's not performing well? Um, you know, when there's bad behavior out in the market, how do you how do you respond to that? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's particular to startups. That was something that was unexpected. I think it's also highly correlated with success. So the more success we've gotten, the more complex the ethical challenges we face. There's a couple tools that I use. So one is just surrounding myself with a lot of smart people who I respect, um, especially like on ethics, who will guide me through things and who you know, will tell me if they feel strongly about something and, and being sure that I get that feedback. Um, when you look at, you know, I read all the books on Theranos and WeWork and Uber, and I can see how things like that can happen slowly over time, where it's just like a lot of little decisions. And then before you know it, things are skewing in one direction and it just gets way, way out of control. And so how do you prevent that from happening? And the first thing is just surrounding myself with incredible people. Um, Another one is my friends, my family take the product. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't compromise on quality ever. Everything's third-party lab tested. Uh, We implemented something that we call the mom test. And it's literally, would I give this to my mom? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we don't have any products that are addictive except caffeine. All of our formulations are available with or without caffeine, but people understand caffeine's addictive so they can, you know, make an informed decision on whether or not they want to take it. Um, we don't use like every single product is third party lab tested. So we know what we're putting in there. We also know what we're not putting in there. So heavy metals, microbes, things like that. Um, It's only like the top 1% of supplement companies that do our level of testing. That was really important to me early on. So interesting. So your business is entirely direct today. You and I were talking, you'll probably eventually um, branch out beyond that. When is it time to do that? I mean, how do you make decisions about expansion and um, not only like how you go to market and how you reach consumers, but also that you need new products um, too to like serve different consumers. How do you make those decisions amongst the million other decisions that you're trying to make as you scale your company? So I don't have a lot of experience in retail. It is a huge opportunity. The brands that are winning in retail I go, I look at the ingredients, I look at the branding. I know that our product is better. And I know that we should be there so that we can serve more customers. Like my goal is to get our product in the hands of as many people as possible so that they can get the benefits. The difficult part to that is one, retail is very capital intensive. It also takes, it needs to be properly resourced to be successful. I've seen some companies do incredibly well in that shift. I've also seen it break companies. Um, and I felt strongly that we weren't ready. I also think that our product needs some adjustments. So I've seen companies with this very unique D2C experience, especially when you get into customization that launch into retail and they strip out the most like 
the key differentiator is what makes their product special. And they end up on the shelf looking like everything else. Um, I really wanted to be sure that we were thoughtful about how we do that and that we could still show up on the shelf in a way that is a superior product. So you recently raised a Series A funding. Congratulations. Very, very exciting. What was the hardest thing about raising money, um, maybe even raising money in today's environment? So I am not good at raising money. I think that there's a, something about the category that was more difficult, but the reason why it took us so long to fundraise was because I'm just not good at it. And there's very, there's some things that, you know, especially with a company our size, I just can't delegate. So I had mm -hmm. to learn and I read a ton of books. I have friends that have raised a lot more capital than I have uh, that sat down with me and like helped refine my pitch and, and just get better at it. What I didn't realize, so this is a little bit on a tangent, but not being able to raise money turned us into a very unique business where we were profitable early on and we had sustainable growth. Hmm. And so when we had to raise our Series A, we were EBITDA positive. We were Amazing. You know, cash flow break even to cash flow positive. And that was because I was bad at raising money. And then as the environment shifted, it's like, wow. Uh, subscription, D2C, even a positive business in this environment, you're like the, the best of the best. And that just opened up. We, we didn't even, we weren't going to raise money because we didn't need to. Mm -hmm. And we started getting inbound interest. We saw the overall environment and we saw the opportunity that while other companies are struggling, we can really invest and grow and bring on some, you know, top tier talent. So we started engaging in investors with investors we ended up with multiple term sheets, um, and I'm so happy with the outcome. We optimized for getting people that believed in the mission, having a awesome. board that like is very supportive and that I want to work with, um, and that's what, that's what we ended up with. That's awesome. I wouldn't go as far as uh, saying you know it's hard to judge whether or not you're you're not good at raising money. I think what's really challenging, what I learned in, in raising money over the years is that uh, it, people invest in what they know. And they don't know. Most of them don't know about nootropics, but they also won't tell you that they don't know, right? And so they get a little gun shy about it. I remember in the early days of starting Hint, I would, um, you know, walk in and I'd say, you know, I was a Diet Coke addict and I was, you know, I wanted to create a product that um, was an unsweetened flavored water and I'm starting a new category and this is a big problem. And, um, you know, people were like, wait, you can be addicted to Diet Coke? I, I, I don't understand. I should ask my wife about that. Like she drinks a lot of it. And what I realized is that, yeah, I mean, you have to figure out who your audience is um, really quickly. And if they have never invested in something like what you're doing, because nobody is doing it yet, it's that much harder. So I wouldn't judge yourself so quickly about that. It'll be interesting to see in round two when you do it, when the category catches on, because it seems like you've got the right partners, which is huge, right? Like a lot of people just take money, however, and they're like bummed out about, you know, who they've got, the valuation, all of these things. And I don't hear that out of you. Yeah. I have, you know, so we didn't have a board until now, mm -hmm. which is also unique. Like it was just, we raised only on safes. And in talking with a lot of my friends, they would be like, shit, I have a board meeting. I really don't like this investor. There's all these different politics. And I didn't want that yeah. more than anything. Like I, I love that I can come into work and I enjoy the people that I'm around. I'm working on a challenge that I'm deeply passionate about. And I didn't want to introduce that. Um, and I was really, you know, clear on that. And the, we didn't need money. So I think it would be different. A lot of startups are in this kind of like cycle where, you know, they have a runway and if they don't raise and then it forces a lot of difficult decisions, but I wasn't going to raise money if it 
made it so that I hated coming into work or introduced all of these difficulties into the, the company. Um, and that's what I optimized for. And, you know, maybe we could have gotten a better valuation or um, something like that. It just wasn't important to me at this stage. And really taking kind of like a long-term perspective of who's going to believe in us. Like, we're just getting started. We're at the very beginning. Um, and there's going to be good times and bad times. And I really wanted the right people around the table for that. No, really, really smart. And don't worry about the valuation. So it'll sort itself out later. You're so early in. in. I mean, the number of people that I've met along the way and who have raised and have been the unicorns early on, and then they have to go back and do a down round. And it's like, a mess. So it's, I think any experienced entrepreneur who has raised would say, don't worry about it. It's very, it's like a big ego boost when you get those big numbers. But in the end, if you're really here to build a company that's going to last and that you're going to get a, a tremendous value out of, um, it's much more important to make sure that those early investors are coming in at a number that is, uh, doable, right? Especially for that next round. So I think you absolutely had the right mindset. We didn't get to talk about stasis and what you're doing there and the difference between um, that because you're building two brands. So can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So stasis was an opportunity that came up through our data. We saw that nootropics weren't working for a cohort of customers. Mm -hmm. And we started doing deep dive interviews, understanding, you know, why. And we discovered it was because they were taking stimulants. So stimulants could be anything from, you know, massive amounts of coffee, pre-workouts, things like that, um, all the way to uh, prescription medication. Mm -hmm. And when somebody takes a stimulant, they're primarily raising their levels of dopamine and norepinephrine. And our products are targeted to some of the same neurotransmitter systems. And that's why we had like a confounding factor there. So the first question is, if you're under the care of a doctor and you're taking medication, why are you buying nootropics? Mm -hmm. And they talked about unmet needs and some of the negative effects that come along with stimulants, things like jitters, crash, trouble sleeping. And so we saw this narrow use case. And it wasn't really what thesis was meant to do. Thesis is about finding the goal. Um, it's more through personalization that we get people to better outcomes. This was a narrow problem that when somebody's taking a stimulant, they very predictably altered their brain chemistry. And we felt that we were uniquely qualified to create a formulation just for that. Um, I'm a formulator. I love it. I fall asleep a couple times a week reading PubMed. Um, it's just, I have this endless fascination. It's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. So I started to get to work on the problem. And in initial testing, it did so incredibly well. Um, so we launched it. Our investors, most of them were against it. So this is kind of like getting down I surround myself with smart people. We have incentives aligned. What happens when you have a disagreement? And a lot of them said, you know, you're a younger brand. You have something that's working. Why would you start another brand for something that you don't know if it's going to work? Um, it's going to take focus, resources from what you know is working. And I felt so strongly that it would take a lot of pain out of the world that I wanted to try it. So the way that I structured it to mitigate risk and to take into account what investors and advisors were saying was we launched it as an MVP. Hmm. And I wouldn't hesitate to kill it if it didn't hit its metrics. It was like, you know, we're going to launch this. This is the resources we're allocating. We did not leverage the thesis team for the most part. We hired somebody new. We said, this is your goal. This is your resources. I'm going to help out a little bit, but for the most part, we're just going to test and see if it works. Um, and it, if it didn't work, we're just going to kill it and 
that's it, you know, um, minimize any risk to the broader company. Uh, the good news was it worked. And now we're in the situation of we never really planned what happens if it works. Yeah. Like we have two brands. How should they interact with each other? How do we structure the team? Should it be one marketing department that works across both? There's a lot of complex challenges that came up with running two brands that we're still working out now. Yeah, no, that's that's an honest answer. So uh, it's it's definitely uh, it has its challenges, but it's exciting um, to watch and see exactly what will happen. Yeah, I mean the core thing about what I believe in, and you know, there needs to be more options for people on the market, and there needs to be transparency around those options. Mm-hmm. And you know, I look at thesis as an over-the-counter first line of defense for attention, focus, and other cognitive goals. And then stasis for people who choose to take stimulants, it allows them to still have a great quality of life. It allows them to think about long-term brain health and be proactive um, with whatever they choose. We stay out of the decision process. That's something between them, their doctor, or you know, just them. Um, but we give them options so that they can better take care of themselves best advice uh, that you've ever received in growing this business? You've accomplished a lot. I mean, congratulations, Dan. Like, I mean, you've just like, you've come a long way. And sometimes founders don't like, you know, stop and think about that because it's a grind. It's lonely. It's like all these things, but you've just done a lot and you're, you're, doing a great job and you're doing it for all the right reasons and helping people. And obviously you want to build an incredible business. Um, but, um, along the way you must have received some advice about building a business and building your life that has kind of something maybe that you go back to that has, uh, stayed with you. So this was before I even thought of building a business, um, back when I was considering getting an MBA. And I had a mentor at the time. So for somebody that didn't graduate high school, the goal of getting an MBA and going straight into a program was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend at the time, she I remember the conversation. She was like, Dan, I love you, but this is crazy. I, I don't think you're smart enough to do something like this. And like, um, And again, that was a sensible piece of advice. She cared about me and wanted to prevent me from going through pain. Um, my parents were very against it. They also thought I was crazy. I had, you know, as a successful chef, had a great job. And it's like, why are you going to give that up for something where you have like no chance of doing it? And my mentor at the time said, you know, I don't know if you're going to get in. I don't know, like, what's going to happen on this path, but I can tell you, you're going to grow. And it's, you know, a path towards personal and professional growth, and you're going to come out of it better. And when I think about kind of like what I'm doing, there's so much ambiguity and risk and, and difficulties and challenges that come up every day. But I truly believe that it's making me into a better person and reframing it like that. And you know, the stuff that comes up in business, there's like lawsuits and people quitting and culture problems and suppliers changing. And it's like, instead of taking these things where it's like, why do I have to deal with this and getting bitter? It's just like, okay, here's another challenge coming out the other side. I'm going to learn something and grow. Mm -hmm. And that type of mindset, as I approach these big challenges, it's, incredible. And it it kind of like, it takes away the the need to succeed. Like, of course, I want to succeed at these, but some challenges you just fail. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that as long as I learn and grow and I'm more prepared for the next time it comes up. Um, And setting those types of expectations and goals. And that's really how I measure myself. That's one of the ways that I measure myself is like, our team, when somebody joins, you know, at year one, are they, are they better? Are they growing into who they want to be when somebody leaves, which is, you know, sometimes we let people go. Sometimes people quit, which is very sad and unfortunate. It's just part of life. And I sit down and I'm like, you know, I remember when we hired this person, where are they now in their life? 
Did we move them forward? And overwhelmingly, like, that's kind of like the core of our culture and my personal beliefs. It's that you can grow, you can learn. Um, and people have transformational change by working at the company. Customers are constantly writing us testimonials on how this has changed their lives. And that's really a huge driving factor for me. I love it. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, everybody needs to go on to your site and we'll have all the info in the show notes. But Dan Freed, founder and CEO of Thesis and Stasis. And uh, thank you again for coming on and sharing your journey. Good luck with everything. And very, very excited to see all of the stuff you're doing to uh, scale the business. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head-on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.